Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 52, released on April 29th, 2009. My name is Steve Eunice, and joining me is Neil Bailey. Howdy, Neil. Hello, world. Hi, Steve. How's it doing? How's things? Pretty good, pretty good. I got the uh, Michelle Obama book coming out tomorrow, our time, and it's probably already out for folks... uh folks uh, listening to this podcast, so it's been a really great couple of weeks. I've finally seen the fruit of a long, long time's worth of labor. So Yeah, congratulations on how the female Force comics have uh, been going. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's a good time. Excellent. All right, well, let's jump into our discussions. Uh, first off, our first topic we'll be talking about is Smallville. Uh, ah! <laughs> <shock> <laughs> horror. Uh, your opinion of the latest episodes? You know, I'm I'm I was blown away by the last one. It's like uh, Stiletto was actually. You think it's like going to be the worst episode on uh, ever because it's got the idea of you know Lois Lane becoming a superhero, and, and this is in the same season where we had Lana becoming a superhero, and it just absolutely destroying the show in a lot of respects. But um, it was actually more focused on the character, and it had some bad devices following along with the Jimmy thing and the Doomsday thing. They're kind of massacring Chloe, but. Uh, it actually worked for me, and, it, and I looked back, and, and you'll see it in the review, but uh, I realized that it was the first episode I hadn't given a one since Legion. Wow. And so hopefully it's a trend for the better, and things are getting uh, interesting with the idea of Injustice and Doomsday, and it could pick up again towards the end here. Yeah, maybe uh, the fact that uh, the trailer probably gave a lot of people a bit of a cringe moment where they thought, oh my yeah. god, what are they doing? So we probably went into the episode... Not expecting a lot, and uh, were pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it was it was incredibly. You know, like there were a couple of moments where they did the typical, you know, legs to chest shot with Lois that were <laughs> distasteful. And you know, like as a red blooded male, I mean, I could look at it and be like, "Ooh!" But on the other hand, the intellectual side of me goes, "Oh my god!" You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, a lot of people are saying that the uh, the last moments of that episode were quite epic. Yeah, they were very much in the spirit of the movies and in the real spirit of uh, Lois and Clark as I've traditionally understood them, and it made me feel like uh, I was watching a Superman show again, which was Excellent. pretty darn cool. Okay, now uh, in regards to the looming season finale for season 8, uh, there's a lot of speculation. It's probably been one of the seasons that uh, has had the most um, anticipation for the finale, especially with this long-time rumoured uh, two deaths and deaths yeah. that would stick, that would remain. People would remain dead. One of them being a long-time cast member, the other one being not so long in the, in on the show. Uh, it's really building up the anticipation. Do you think we're going to be let down, or do you think we're going to be pleasantly surprised? I think they're going to trick us. The more and more I hear about it, I, the more I think it's going to be Clark and Doomsday, and he'll probably stay dead for a couple of episodes <laughs> or something. Okay. But. Uh, I'm actually eager to see what they're going to do with it because if they actually get this doomsday that they've created, which is probably one of the best Superman renditions I've seen on TV, not you know not the character work but the actual visual representation of Doomsday, and they get a fight going on and it rocks, it could just bring new life into the show. Yeah, well, uh, it's coming up to being you know a, a season finale to remember. Uh, there's. We know, obviously, that there's Season 9 coming, and so that's obviously bodes well for the finale because, you know, writing a finale when you know that there's going to be future episodes is obviously a lot prefer- much preferable to having a finale where it's open-ended and you're not sure if you're coming back or not. So there is that as a plus. Mm-hmm, definitely, and I think that um, if they can bring together this whole Justice League versus Injustice League and use it to culminate things, it could be really good. Um, the only thing that distresses me is this continuing need to focus on Clark's um, Clark being pushed to kill somebody, you know, and that's what they seem to be talking about in the spoilers about, you know, everybody's going to be pushing him to kill Doomsday instead of it being kind of they both kill each other at the same time on accident, you know, that was one of the redeeming parts of uh, Superman's death in the comics. Seems to be Oliver. Kick his ass, Clark. Yeah, yeah. Oliver, you know, like, he's he's become a murderer on the show, and if you watch the most recent episode of Smallville, I don't mean to give it away if you haven't seen it, Steve, but um, basically, Doomsday kills somebody to protect Chloe that could have survived, and Chloe helps him dispose of the bodies. It's like they're doing a hatchet job on her character just because she's shipping with Davis, you know? Yeah. It's just kind of 
Yeah, you know. Bit lame. Uh, now, we've had a few interviews with the uh, producers of Smallville, um, Kelly Souders and I think Brian Peterson was the other one who were interviewed recently, and we're talking about the season finale and what we can expect, and then talking about season nine, and basically they called out Tom Welling um, when, it's, when the interviewer asked them, uh, will we be seeing you know Clark wearing a costume in season, in season uh, nine? next year, or uh, they said, uh, you know, it's not going to happen, it's pretty much Tom Welling who's standing in the way of it happening. Yep, yeah, I, I've i been anticipating that for some time, I think I've mentioned it a couple of times, it seems like that's basically his bottom line stance, is he's not going to do Superman. Well, do you find it interesting that the executive producers have called him out that way, that they've actually named names, so to speak? I'm I'm not surprised because they probably get asked the question all of the time and they can't just keep alluding back to past interviews. They've kind of got to summarize it at some point. Um, what astonishes me is not necessarily that they're calling... I, I'm for calling people out when it's beyond the pale, you know, not when it's unprofessional, but when it's beyond the pale and something has to be said. And in this case, the show's gone for nine years. People are going to want to see him in the suit. Um but other things just uh, are kind of startling to me, like the fact that Welling would uh, agree to nine or potentially ten seasons and yet be afraid to be, you know, like, oh, I, well, I don't want to be Superman, you know what I mean, when he's been Superman for ten years. That's what baffles me. Yeah, you, uh, obviously, um, well, I don't know about obviously, but it seem, you'd seem to, it would indicate that he's worried about being typecast, but surely after, like you said, nine seasons of a TV series that he will forever be known as the guy who played young Superman or Clark Kent or however you want to coin the phrase. He's pretty much known for that character now. Yeah, I mean, well, barring some strange event in the foreseeable future, some new series or some new show, when I picture adult Superman, I picture Christopher, even when I picture young, I picture Tom Welling. And that's just probably not going to change for the yeah, near future. I mean, there are actors, obviously, like uh, Harrison Ford, who obviously is well known for... A couple of uh, f uh, franchises, be it Star Wars as Han Solo or be it Indiana Jones, um, he seems to not be typecast. But um, you know, obviously, he's a very fine actor. So you know, wh whatever you think of Tom Welling's acting, um, it seems that Smallville is either going to make or break him. And um, you'd think that he would obviously want to get as much out of it as he can. And um, yeah, okay, maybe the, the we're not going to see the costume because it will be a Superman show, not necessarily, uh, you know, a Clark Kent show on his journey to becoming Superman. Um, that might be one way to look at it. But, um, yeah, he seems to be, I don't know, shying away from the role that's already, you know, made him famous and, and has made him a household name. Yeah, I, th I think that um, his silence in interviews probably saves him a lot of trouble because people misconstrue and take things that people say in interviews and and go go places with them but at the same time a little clarity if he would speak to the fans would probably help there and they probably wouldn't have the enormous backlash that's going to happen if he doesn't get in the suit if he could break it to him easy now as opposed to later but he's in kind of a lose-lose in that respect anyway because everybody has their individual interpretation of what the show is supposed to be yeah, definitely. Well, I think, obviously, the two obstacles in Season 9 for Smallville will be, one, the flying, whether or not Clark will fi finally fly. I mean, he doesn't have to wear the suit to fly. And two, the secret identity, wearing the glasses, wearing the spectacles. Um, <laughs> there seems to be some something in that interview that would indicate that they're looking at that aspect. I certainly hope so, because, I mean, <laughs> he's now working at the planet and he's not wearing glasses. Come on. <laughs> yeah. uh, even if he does don the costume, it's going to be, hey, Clark, what are you wearing those tights for? Right. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, we're anticipating season eight's finale in the coming weeks, uh, in mid-May, mid to late May, so we're looking forward to that. Moving on to the comic books, um, let's start off by talking about Wonk, World of New Wonk. Krypton. I love that uh, acronym, Wonk. Yes. <laughs> um, Commander L... Commander Kal-El working under General Zod. What do you make of it? Oh, the thought beasts, the idea of um, having to suppress dissent, the idea of working under General Zod, and of Zod having a sympathetic aim. I'm, I'm really digging it, actually. Of the, um, of the what is it, four books now? 
uh, not counting Superman, Batman. Um, I'm 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 very much enjoying World of New Krypton the most because um, I, I well I don't know it, it's 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 got that whole it, it feels like um like an older comic book reimagined to a degree in a new way. You ever you, you know those stories like Superman in the military? Yep. It's kind of taking it and putting it in a modern sensible context context and it's great. But then again, I'm digging action comics too, so. Yeah, well, um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm impressed with uh, World of New Krypton because it's putting Superman in a situation that we ne- not don't necessarily or haven't necessarily seen him in before, um, where his powers are not defining him; it's his stance and his um, his upbringing and his uh, you know his attitude towards things. You know, you don't necessarily have to kill those uh, thought creatures. Uh, because of the fact that there is another way to do it, and he's earned the respect of some of his uh, underlings or the, his his uh, what, what is his troops um, by yeah. you know showing them that there are other ways to do, you know to do things rather than just the uh, bash and crash method. Yeah, it it also adds another dimension to uh, the Clark Kent Superman persona because everybody always were they, they always um, there would be this huge debate say when. Um, when the Brian Azzarello run was going on, well, what's his most prominent aspect? Is he Kryptonian? Is he from Earth? Or is he Superman? You know, is he Clark, Superman, or Kal-El? And here, it, my, my response was always, well, he doesn't have any definition of what Kal-El is, you know, really. Uh, but but you can debate whether he's really Superman or whether he's really Clark, but uh, this actually gives him a Kal-El identity, if you will, and gives him a place in a society that's not Earth and that's not his position as Superman. And it's gonna add it's gonna add a lot of depth to the character, I think, and it's gonna give angles for impressive new directions for stories in the years to come because he's going to have a context for Krypton beyond the Eradicator or beyond the Fortress or beyond the you know odd Kryptonian he'll run into that's really a a Russian prisoner. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I agree with you. I think uh, this is adding a new aspect to the Superman mythos, and it's bringing in. Superman's always been great when his supporting characters are involved, and now we've got a whole new uh, slew of supporting characters, and uh, you know Ursa and Zod, and uh, his uh, new uh, second in command. I can't even remember her name at the moment. Thara. Uh, is that her name? Yeah, Thara. You mean no, like not, the head of security? No, not her. The one that uh, is in World of New Krypton, who is like a ninth generation. Uh, you know, a uh, military person. He tries to get her to call him Cal. And oh you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. Oh gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I know what you're talking about. Though. Yeah, I'm sure everybody else does too. But uh, yeah, we'll get a letter. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is it's just adding you know new characters to his uh, surrounding support cast, and I think that's you know what we see from them and how they react to, to Superman or Cal El is, you know, where the stories really uh, shine. Yeah. It's very character-driven as opposed to event or appearance-driven, which is very cool for me. And even Superman is... The Superman title is coming in line in that respect. They're all very... They're very much more character-driven than plot-driven, and, yeah. and I'm I'm loving it. Okay, well, you mentioned Superman. Uh, yeah. Monel is obviously the lead character in that book at the moment. Uh, are you... Digging Monel, or are you? Um... I, you know, the first episode, it was er, the first issue where he kind of took over, had a lot of repeated things, yeah. which is you know, the writing was not tight in that respect. But I love the character moments to a degree, and, and and I can see it being the beginning of something very good. Yeah, well, they're bringing obviously Jimmy's going to be tightly connected with Monel. He's now got a, a signal watch for him. Yeah, and the uh, police, the science police. Obviously, heavily involved in his story, with his that being his secret identity, so to speak, or his uh, his alternate life beyond being a superhero. It, it doesn't that expose his secret identity. Well, everybody knows that he's Jonathan Kent, or they know him as Jonathan Kent, and it's he- yeah, yeah. But doesn't that expose them? Yeah. I mean, the science police people know that he's. Uh, don't they know that he's Monel? It, you know, it seems kind of hanky to a degree. I think it would probably be a pretty, an easy see-through. But then again, you know, you got the comic mentality. Yeah. I think what um, 
what's cool about it is it kind of gives like a, a background series of characters like the whole world seems to kind of be culminating and granted you don't have superman in two of the books but i kind of get the feel that i had in the 90s where there was this cohesive continuing universe where you know that mon and science police are in one sector you know the guardian's going to be in this other position you got supergirl in this little niche here and you've got the uh the nightwing and flameberg at Flamebird aspects of things. You got the new Krypton setting, and you got Metropolis itself. It it feels like tapestry instead of you know squares on a quilt. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned Nightwing and Flamebird. Uh, Action Comics is the title that uh, they're appearing in, and uh, Ursa, who's obviously General Zod's uh, wife or a partner, um, yeah. is uh, attacking them and um, is after them and. Uh, Nightwing is obviously her son, um, Law Zod, who would prefer to be known as Chris Kent, and uh, there's a whole story going on with him, and you know he's growing, um, becoming a man, you know, and it's obviously uh, uh, not a very comfortable situation for him. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, what, what do you what do you make of that storyline? Oh, it was brutal that issue where he just where where the basically the the attack. Um, where she chases him around the fortress, and then and then it ends with just that kind of pitiful image, like "Hi, mom," you know, and and he's got the uh, he's got Thara there, and it's just wow, it's <laughs> it's like uh, it, it's chilling to a degree. You, you realize the real level of threat of Ursa, and um, the way that they're gonna have <laughs> a hell of a time handling her. You know yeah, what I mean? She's just crazy, isn't she? I mean, she's just yeah. uh, shredded. Uh, Thara, who's Flamebird, to to bits with that kryptonite laced uh, knife, and has just slashed her lot, you know, with no mercy whatsoever. And uh, it's, it's quite, yeah, like I said, brutal. When I when I read these stories about picturing Superman as an angry god, I disagree with the idea for Superman. But w- what I pictured was this whole issue. <laughs> you know what I mean? The way Ursa treats these kids. And just, oh, it's just, it was brutal. And and it was justified by the story. It wasn't exploitive. It was it was smart, well done, and kind of chillingly scary in yeah. this kind of creepy way. And it also draws Lois Lane into their story with uh, Chris uh, having taken Thara to Lois and um, obviously draws in that whole uh, mother-child um, you know aspect to the story with one, his real birth mother, trying to kill him and uh, him going to his adoptive or foster mother uh, to help him live. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see the first panel of the next issue, though. I'm just like, how is Lois going to react to this? Because as, as a mother figure, you know what I mean? It's got to be tough because she, she doesn't, probably doesn't see herself fully as a mother yet. You know, she's, she's been a mother for a little while, but not like in that sense that you've raise a child from a baby so it's got to be this kind of real awkward thing for her. yeah or especially the fact that she probably doesn't really even recognize him because the last time she saw chris he was a little boy and now he's a fully grown man yeah yeah and she's she's a very independent person too so that independence coming with the responsibility i bet you there's a lot of hay to be made there yeah and obviously she's was of the opinion or was thought it might have been superman returning to uh, drop in on her, and uh, instead, you know, it's you know Chris Kent. So uh, there's that whole aspect to it as well. Yep, definitely. And the other, the fourth title of the numbering system, the triangle or shield numbers on the covers, is obviously Supergirl. And yes. there was a big revelation in the uh, last issue. Yes, I did not read it yet, but go ahead and spoil it for me because we're doing a show and we okay. gotta know. Well, I haven't read it yet either because I haven't picked up the issue, but I know that. Superwoman was revealed, and if you don't want to know who the uh, character behind the mask is, uh, you might want to block your ears for the next five seconds, because we now know that Superwoman is Lucy Lane. Oh, oh, see, I called it. I called it. No, actually, I thought it was Ma Kent. I was so going. <laughs> no. Yeah, I saw it, because she would conveniently be there communicating, but, uh, hmm. That's yeah. That's about what I expected. Is that what you picked? What you thought? Uh, no, actually, that kind of caught me by surprise. But now, in hindsight, it does make sense because, well, it makes sense. You know, the killing of uh, Agent Liberty and uh, you know being ordered around. But it doesn't make sense for the character's past history and why all of a sudden she is now a murderer. 
Yeah, that's that's why I was, you know, I saw it coming a mile away because they did that big introductory page in the uh, Death of Pa Kent issue, or maybe it was after the Death of Pa Kent issue, where they introduced Lucy Lane and she just kind of comes out of nowhere. I kind of saw that a mile away, but maybe that's just because I've I, I study that kind of thing, you know. I sure. it, it, for the average reader, it might have come across as a big surprise. So. Yeah, well. Uh... Uh, of the four Superman or main Superman titles, which I'm including Supergirl in that, uh, there is a lot to look forward to. Uh, like you said, it's a tapestry of uh, you know of different stories, but they're all kind of on the same canvas, so to speak. So it's quite interesting. And um, then on the other hand, you got Superman, Batman, which obviously isn't really in continuity, and yeah. it uh, you have to start wondering how that fits in, especially with the you know the whole. Um, battle for the cowl over in the Batman titles. Um, how is that going to factor into the Superman Batman title? Um, I'll be surprised. I would be surprised as heck if Superman Batman makes seventy five issues unless they put a really big name on it. You know, okay. it just seems like cool. one of those books that's that's destined like to be canceled eventually because there's just no tie in. You know, there's no relation to the rest of the books, and it's been doing stuff like Superman Confidential did, where it's just kind of like side stories. You know. Now, I don't mind that so much. I mean, it, you know, there are a lot of people who don't necessarily uh, want to or can, can afford to buy all four titles that are tied in with the the numbering system. So maybe Superman, Batman's, you know, uh, a title for them that they can latch onto and read without having to be uh, swamped by DC continuity or what there is of it. Yeah, it can be good, like with the Superman Adventures book. It used to be really good. Yeah, uh, I missed Superman Adventures. I thought that was a great title, even though it was tied into the animated series, and it, you know that made a lot of people think that it was a child's book. It actually right. told some great standalone stories that were quite adult. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Superman Batman may stick around for that reason. Let's just wait and see, but uh, it's definitely uh, interesting times in the main Superman books. Okay, oh, yeah. let's move on to talking about comic books. Let's talk about actual novels. Uh, Enemies and Allies by Kevin J. Anderson is due out in early May, uh, May 5th, I think it is. And I've actually read the novel, and you'll be seeing a review uh, by me on the website to be published on May 4th, the day before it's uh, actually released. Um, I'm impressed. I, I really enjoyed it. I you know I'm looking forward to it. I I read the last Son of Krypton book and um or last days of Krypton rather, and um it blew me away. I, I I've um I I think it was one of the more creative reimaginings of the end of Krypton, and I think that uh, anything he could have to say set in that kind of vein and time period, it would remind me of the book It's Superman, which was also really really good. Yeah, by Tom um, DeHaven. Yeah, that's that was that was I, I thought that book would be boring, and it was just incredible. It was utterly incredible, and um. I'm I'm looking forward now to the, to stories in a similar vein because of it. Yeah, well, Enemies and Allies is probably not as epic as The Last Days of Krypton, but it's definitely uh, an entertaining read. It's uh, action-packed. It's a lot of good character moments. Uh, Superman's obviously... Uh, well, let me put it this way. Batman only has uh, Alfred as a supporting character, but Batman does get slightly more... Uh, Limelight than Superman, but then you got Superman, you got Lois, you got Lex, you got Jimmy, you got Perry, you got Martha, who are all involved in the story. So, uh, from a Batman Superman perspective, Superman gets Superman characters get more screen time, if you want to put it that way, but um, Batman gets a little more more focus as a person than Superman does. But uh, it's definitely pretty much even in regards to uh, who saves the day and who is the hero and. Uh, it's the threat levels uh, need both of them to you know work together, and it's uh, it's quite well done. And the way they meet and being set in the 1950s makes a lot of sense because it really uh, centers around that whole Cold War era and the threat of you know the communists, and obviously and also that whole aspect of Area 51 and you know alien invasions and people being um, you know scared of UFOs and 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 alien invasions and it's um, it really fits nicely into the 1950s period, and you can understand why it was uh, it was written that way. I you know I I I have read my fair shares of things on the Red Scare, and it, it's always just a good throwback. <laughs> it's it's kind of weird to imagine now. I imagine there are other things that will be a lot like the Red Scare was to a degree, but um, 
Yeah, well, yeah. I think I think it's with Lex Luthor especially, and his you know uh, aim for world domination and you know wanting to be the top dog. It oh yeah, kind of just sits right in his pocket. You know, having people being paranoid and and being you know scared of um, emerging technologies and you know Sputnik and uh, and all these other aspects that. Uh, he just thrives on and and in this book it's it's I think you'll enjoy it Neil because I know you're a big Lex Luthor fan and uh, uh, Kevin uh, J Anderson really writes Lex Luthor in a iconic way he's not only uh, you know a big businessman and who you know who is you know runs Luthor Corp and everything like that but he's also a scientific and criminal genius who um, you know doesn't trust anybody else to do anything and and you know if it's going to be done right, he's got to do it himself, and uh, he, he's very sinister in that way. So it's kind of the best of both worlds when it comes to Lex Luthor in this novel. Cool, much much better than say a one note, you know, kind of yeah, 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 exactly. So uh, well worth looking for Enemies and Allies, uh, released in early May. It's available to pre-order on Amazon.com, or you can check out the links at Superman homepage to purchase it that way. Okay, uh, moving on, we've got an updated version of the Superman musical, It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman, uh, ready to be released uh, in the, I think it's later this year, and uh, it's, Kevin Moriarty is the, I think, uh, one of the the minds behind it. Uh, Is this a good idea? Yes, no? What do you think? Oh, heck, I think any kind of expanded Superman medium is a good idea. Worst case, it fails, and they go back to the drawing card board. Best case, we got a cult classic or something that's really interesting. And Yeah, yeah. well, they're, I mean, It's a Bird, It's a Planet Superman was released on, to Broadway, uh, debuted in, on Broadway in 1966, and had Bob Holiday in the title role. And by all um, reports, it was quite well received at the time, but obviously with the emerging with television and the Batman show on TV, people were, you know, obviously expecting more or, you know, uh, were drawn away from uh, Broadway musicals with uh, with TV. But um, they're updating it, I hear, to include characters that weren't necessarily in the original, such as Lex Luthor. And, um, you know, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but I think it would be interesting to have an updated version of something that came out in the 60s. Most of the songs will be sticking around, but they're writing some new material and uh hey you know you can only give them uh credit for trying to see what it's like i mean uh, there's a new spider-man musical out there uh so why not an updated version of the one that started it all with superman if i if i can hear lex luthor saying i will be a happy man that's all i know my continent you'll be auditioning (laughs) for that role i can imagine yeah oh yes i even shaved my head well, we'll uh, we look forward to seeing what uh, comes of that. Uh, I'm sure there'll be uh, people looking to vi- uh, you know view that musical when it comes out, and uh, we'll try to get a review of it uh, when it uh, is released. But uh, there is no movie news this week. There is no um, no nothing happening on the movie front for the next Superman movie. Although J.J. Abrams, uh, who wrote Superman Lives back in the early '90s, a script that uh, was you know, uh, optioned by Warner Brothers and was looking, who were looking to make the new Superman movie before, way before Superman Returns ever came to be. And uh, he was uh, quoted in an interview as saying that uh, the internet killed off any chance of Superman Lives being brought to screen because of the fact that it was leaked online. Ain't it cool dot com uh, basically uh, trashed it in a review online back in the early 90s and then. The fans just took that on board and were absolutely um, horrified by the script, and it never, never came to be. Um, do you think he has a point? Eh, it seems like sour grapes to me. You know, I read that Ain't Cool News thing back in the day, and I was still willing to give it a chance. And I think that anybody who was going to make the movie probably would have made the movie if it was strong enough as a screenplay. I'm sure that if you wrote it well enough, you could sell those ideas and concepts as odd as they are. He had a point in that uh, it was the first draft, and maybe we shouldn't have judged him on the first draft. But why was he letting a first draft circulate, for that matter? Because as a writer, speaking as a writer, if I let a first draft of one of my novels out there and people condemned the novel and thereby the novel was not published, I would have absolutely no place to talk because you're not supposed to send something out into the world until it's a pretty little thing. Yeah, we don't (laughs) don't know if it was him that 
let it out there. It might have been somebody else, you know, within the the studio. So we can't True. necessarily bl- blame JJ for it getting out there. Just like you can't blame Hugh Jackman for Wolverine, uh, you know, pre-releases right. getting out there and people watching a you know a, a draft that's not final on the internet. Uh, so. You know. I guess I guess the broader point I'm getting at is more that um, if it came down to like simple negativity being something that could spike a movie, you know, outside of a real high profile thing, um, the way that people jumped on and trashed on the idea of Jason, whether or not it's a, a you know a good thing or a bad thing, ultimately, it, I I don't think these guys would operate on the basis of the internet because the internet brings to light a lot of common sense things, and movies don't tend to follow that pattern in my experience. Yeah. Well, uh, JJ did admit that he was the person responsible for making Lex Luthor a Kryptonian in that script, so yeah. he, ad- he admits to some blame, but uh, yeah, who knows whether that would have happened in the final version of that script. Like he says, we'll never know whether it would have been a success or a, or a failure, but uh, it- it's it's interesting to see you know how much the internet has now has, does have a power in the way studios uh, promote uh, and, um, you know, uh, regulate their their movies and how they're released. Yep, definitely, and it's kind of good in a way. We have some kind of feedback and direct control into what media we get. Yep, very true. All right, well, uh, the only other thing I want to touch on before we move into the big question segment of the show is the Superman celebration. The annual Superman celebration in Metropolis, Illinois, is fast approaching. It's uh, the second weekend of June this year, and the special guests are Noel Neal, as usual. Also, Justin Hartley, Phil Morris from Smallville, and Beverly Washburn, who played young girl in the uh, Superman and the Mole Men uh, episodes, or actually was released to uh, film first from the George Reeves uh, Adventures of Superman TV series. So look for those special guests at this year's Superman celebration. If you can get along, uh, try to. Neil and I were there in 2008 and had a total blast. It was a fantastic time. Uh, Highly recommended. If you want more information, uh, you can find it at supermanhomepage.com or visit uh, Superman, sorry, metropolistourism.com for more details. Let's start with the big question. Okay, big question segment. Last month we asked everybody what should be the next Warner Brothers Superman animated movie, and we got quite a few responses. What was the first one up, Neil? Um, Jeremy Crawford wrote, the next DC Superman animated movie I would like is either John Byrne's Superman Origin, or Superman the Wedding Album, or Our Worlds at War, or the comic Superman Save the Planet, where Superman stops a meteor shower and Lex buys the Daily Planet. And Superman Forever, where Superman returns in the blue and red suit after Superman Blue, Superman Red Story, or Superman Doomsday and beyond. (laughs) Heck, you know, thinking about it. We could even do the J.J. Uh, Abrams Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll find out whether or not that w- would have been a failure or a success. But uh, yeah. a lot of options there by Jeremy. Okay, Calvin Bowes wrote, I think they should do my favorite Superman story on video, and that is Superman Red Sun. Seeing the world being different with soups growing up in the Soviet Union, this was my all-time favorite Superman story. This is one they should do. I, uh, I am the only one mentioning it, but it would make a, good, a cool film. I think it would. I think, you know, these the Elves, of, of the Elseworlds, it's one of the top ones, I bet. Yeah, one of the most popular for sure. Yeah. Okay, Mikey B wrote, I may be getting a little ahead of the game, but I think a Jeff Johns trilogy would be awesome. The first DVD would be Superman's Secret Origin, followed by Last Son and Brainiac. As always, awesome work on the show, and congrats to Neil for his female Force comics. Thanks, Mikey! Yeah. Uh, so yeah, well, obviously we don't know what the Jeff Johns uh, Superman's Secret Origin will be like, but uh, I'm sure it's going to be great, and so we've got one fan already asking for it to be animated before we've even read it, so that's a pretty good uh, vote of confidence there. Yeah. Jim Bennett wrote, Great show, guys. Look forward to it every month. Well, thanks, Jim. I'd love to see Superman Godfall made into an animated movie. You'd get to see it all. Earth, Krypton, Kryptonians, new suits, a super sweet motorbike. It has it all. Also, Kingdom Come would be great, but I'm not sure if the animation could compete with Alex Ross's artwork. <laughs> Yeah, and you get that crazy Lila character, wasn't it? Or was it Lyda? Uh, well, anyway. Um, G.V. Gowitzer wrote, uh, boy, G.V. Gowitzer wrote, I'd love to see Superman Red Sun or Kingdom Come adapted into an animated feature. Both are unique yet iconic Superman stories that have excellent visual concepts. 
The only way Kingdom Come would work, though, is if it stayed true to the Alex Ross style. Yeah, that'd be tough. <laughs> yes, well, that's another vote for Kingdom Come and another vote for Red Sun. So uh, a bit of a, a trend here. Uh, John wrote, Personally, as much as I liked Superman Doomsday, I'd like to see a new one, this time by the book. If doing Superman Batman issues 1 to 6 as a movie and having it look like the art from the comics, why can't they do that with the death of Superman? They did it with New Frontier, they're doing it with Superman Batman, why not the death of Superman? Other than the death of Superman, I'd like to see Kingdom Come, New Krypton, Emperor Joker, the death of Clark Kent, Majestic, Strange New Visitor, Superman Doomsday Hunter Prey, or Batman Wonder Woman, sorry, sorry, Batman Superman Wonder Woman Trinity. That's interesting. You know, they could even do a sequel to the Superman Doomsday movie with Hunter Prey, theoretically, but anyway. Yeah. Um, Bork, Bork from Mark wrote, Now that Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman all have gotten their own animated, or gotten their animated movies, I'd like WB to make one about a supporting character from the DC Universe. My fourth choice would be Jimmy Olsen, Superman's pal. If not that, I'd want an origin story for Robin, starting with Dick Grayson at the circus before his parents die and training to become Batman's sidekick, and perhaps eventually Nightwing. Interesting. Okay. Ismail Perez wrote, First, great work on the podcast. Thank you. As to the question, I would love to see Kingdom Come done, done as an animated movie. This is one of my favorite Superman stories, and I think it would make a wonderful animated movie. So there's another vote for Kingdom Come. Yeah, looks like a clear victor so far. Bruce Meyer wrote, For another comic to adapt for DVD release, one of the best stories, qua story, I know of is the 1980s Superman-Batman story right after the DC-wide reboot, in which Batman starts out by using his makeup-slash-disguise skills and ends with Batman taking a stake in hand to drive the stake through the heart of the now-defeated vampire enemy. Possibly it was first team up after the reinvention of Soups and Bats. Hmm, interesting one there. David Lewis wrote, Hey guys, in response to your question, I'd like love to see animated movies of both Kingdom Come and Crisis on Infinite Earths. Honestly, I'd like to see more, but I don't have enough space to name them all. Keep up the good work, and thanks for making the best podcast in the universe about the best superhero in the universe. Well, thank you, David. Uh, another vote for Kingdom Come, then. In Crisis on Infinite Earths would be a uh, pretty uh, epic uh, movie to make in animated style. Yeah, I'm surprised no one mentioned Infinite Crisis. That was my initial response. Okay, well, there you go. And what's our new big question for this podcast? Well, here you go. The new big question is, if you're not a comic book reader, why not? Did you stop? What would make you pick them up again? If you've never read them, what would it take to make you start? That's yes. a pretty good one. So uh, if you're uh, not a comic book reader, let us know why. Let us know what you would, uh, what it would take for you to pick them up. Or if you're a lapsed reader, why? You know, what would it take for you to start picking them up again? Is it mainly a monetary thing? Is it a story thing? What, what is it? Let us know. Use the big question feedback button found at the Superman homepage and we'll endeavor to read out all entries sent in in our next Superman homepage Radio KAL podcast. Also, you could uh, record your uh, answer as an MP3 file and send it in to us and we'll play that in the next show. That segues into what I was going to say. I was just going to say, we're going to get an angry audio recording from some guy going, I can't read comics because I'm blind, you insensitive so-and-sos. Oh. It's going to be great. <laughs> Uh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> All right, that one fell flat. Bailey's bookshelf. Go, Bailey! Here is Michael Bailey with another segment of Bailey's bookshelf. Let's see what Michael has in store for us this month. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Bailey's bookshelf, the monthly feature here at Radio KAL, where I walk over to my bookcase pick out a Superman trade paperback or hardcover to review and spend about five minutes here talking about it. This month, as promised, because many of you have been requesting it, I went to the bookcase and reread Superman's Secret Identity, which was published in the early part of 2004. Now, full disclosure here, I did not read the trade paperback version of this because I still have all the individual issues. Uh, because they were prestige format, I put them on the bookshelf. Because when prestige format books first started getting published, they were also called bookshelf formats, because they were supposed to be comics so good, you would put them on your bookshelf. So I do, because I tend to get into habits and not break them. Superman's Secret Identity was written by Kurt Busiek, or Busier, or however you pronounce that, with art by Stuart Immerman. This is an Elseworlds tale about the life of a man named Clark Kent. In this world, like ours, Superman is a fictional character, and Clark Kent is teased relentlessly about his name for most of his life. 
when he's a teenager, he discovers that he does, in fact, have superpowers. And from there, we follow his life as he comes to terms with his abilities and how he should use them. We see him become a writer, marry a woman named Lois, and raise two daughters. And this is an incredibly well-written story. I love Buziak's writing in this particular miniseries. And Immerman's art lends a real humanity to the story. It is very similar to Superboy Prime, who was created in 1985 in an issue of DC Comics Presents as the Earth Prime, which was supposed to be our world, uh, version of Superman. The similarities pretty much end there, though, because they do go about trying to explain where this Clark Kent got his superpowers from. And it's really neat to see him go through his life and get married and have kids and do things with his abilities in secret. I I really got into Clark as a character. I got into what he was going through, the feelings of alienation, the love he felt for his wife and family. And, And at the end, when you see him older you get the feeling that you've really lived this man's life with him, even though you've only experienced it over a four-issue miniseries. Now, I do have a problem with this story. And once again, this is one of those problems that I am pretty sure I am the only one that has. This is a great story. It's well-written. It's well-drawn. I really got into the characters. But at the end of the day, it's not a tried-and-true Superman story. It has the spirit of Superman. Oh, it has the spirit of Superman pretty much from beginning to end. But at the end of the day, it's not about the Superman that was rocketed as a baby from Krypton, landed on Earth, was raised by the Kents, grew up to be a mild-mannered reporter and a superhero. And that's kind of where my problem lies, because a lot of people want to lump this in as one of the best Superman stories ever told. Or, if somebody doesn't quite like Superman, they'll give them this one thinking, oh, here's a Superman you will like. And to me, that's that's kind of bothersome, because as great as this story is, you know, I'd rather people appreciate the more traditional or at least whatever is considered traditional at the moment, Superman, and and have that story be someone's gateway. Despite all of that, I do really like this series, and I recommend it wholeheartedly. And that is it for this month. I will stop being a curmudgeon now and turn it back over to the boys. Next month, no idea. What do you guys think I should review? You can either private message me, or use a little comment feature, or write to Steve, or write to me. And now, back to Steve and Neil. Thank you, Michael. Well done. So we'll see Michael again, or we'll hear Michael again in our next Radio KAL podcast. Now, if you have a suggestion for Michael, feel free to email him or us, and we'll endeavour to get your suggestion in a future version of Bailey's Bookshelf. Captain Sawyer hits a roadblock. Still stymied by this transmitter thing. Yeah, R&D didn't come up with much on it. About all we can do is monitor whatever it's broadcasting. Striker's Island is under siege. What's going on? I don't know. A bunch of prisoners just started screaming. Switch the bitch screens on. They look like they're in pain. Get the medic down there now. An old foe escapes. You'll never take me alive. And a new arrival makes his presence known. Stand back, fair citizens. The Atomic Skull is here. New aggravations plague the Man of Steel in Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, issue 52. Coming April 29th, 2009, only to PendantAudio.com. Agent Gage digs deeper. It doesn't strike you as odd that your colleague gave the rest of the lab the day off and sent you on a BS errand. Hmm? Are all DEO agents as paranoid as you? Only the lucky ones. And with an assist from Kara. Seems we don't have a working access code anymore. Well, I've got ten digits that get me into damn near anywhere. (laughs) 
finally find some answers. Wait, what's Ajax? Cage, are you sure? Tell her. Uncover the truth in Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, issue 24, on April 29th, 2009, at PendantAudio.com. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. Super secret soundbite. Well, last month, the sound came from the Smallville Season 8 episode, Bride, so not too long ago, but only four people guessed it right, so obviously a lot of people didn't get catch on that it was from a recent episode, a Season 8 episode, but the four people who did guess it right were Chris Murphy, Jim Bennett, Shane Wickland, and Nelda Mormon. Congratulations on getting it right, guys, and also surviving the shaky cam on that episode. Tough. <laughs> yes, the, uh, the what movie was it they were ripping off? Um, Cloverfield. Uh, Cloverfield, yeah. Yes, very good. All right, well, here is the new secret soundbite for this month. What are you kidding? This young man's a man of steel. Look at him. So if you think you know which episode of Smallville that sound came from, Use the super secret soundbite entry form and send your entry in. We will name each person who guesses it right in our next Radio KAL podcast, so get involved. Okay, Superman song time. I sense guitars and heavy drum beats and songs related to Superman with lyrics that relate to Superman. Actually, no lyrics. This. Oh! Yeah. This month, well, you would in a normal month, you'd probably you know be pretty close. Drums, guitars, lyrics about Superman, but uh, this month we have a orchestral arrangement by Benny Goodman of all people from 1941. So it's a very old uh, musical arrangement, and it's titled Superman. And here it is. <laughs> Thank you. 
there you have it. Superman by Benny Goodman. What did you think? That sounded pretty good. <laughs> I needed guitars and lyric stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the show for another month. Uh, remember, if you want to get involved in the show, whether there's a suggestion you have for Neil and I to discuss, right, a topic you'd like us to talk about, or maybe there's a Superman song you'd like to suggest, maybe there's a trade paperback you'd like Michael Bailey to uh, review. Well, any of those suggestions can be sent to us using the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage, and we'll try to use those suggestions in a future podcast. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for your input, and thanks for another show. Thank you, Steve. And you say classy blind people who can't read comics. Don't send letters. Don't send letters, please. We're nice people. You've been listening to Radio KAL from supermanhomepage.com. No letters! (laughs) 